0: Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm your host and I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I help spiritual adventurers remember who they are and why they're here so they can up-level with ease. Let's talk about that remembering piece. You see, each and every one of us is born knowing exactly who we are and exactly why we're here. Our souls choose that for us before we even come to earth. And then humaning happens. The teachers, the parents, the siblings, the the every other human that we encounter in society, they tell us how we should behave. That's in quotes because shoulds are shitty. They tell us how we're supposed to do things. They say things like we don't do that and we do that. This is the way things are. They put these beliefs on us and it's as though we're layering on different, let's go t-shirts. So we're layering more and more and more of them on so that eventually we reach this point in our lives and maybe it's a bathroom floor moment, maybe it's a moment of awakening, maybe it's a day at the dog park, who knows? But we catch this glimmer, this sparkle of our true essence, of our truth, of our soul. And maybe that's when we begin to wonder, who am I? Why am I here? Maybe that's when we begin to see who we are and why we're here. Maybe that's when we just start to remember. Because my friends, this journey isn't about learning all the things about ourselves. We can learn all the things about everything else. When it comes to ourselves, it's about remembering. We already have the answers. So we remember. We take off all those layers of T-shirts, which is just plain old awkward. And underneath, we find what I call our awesome. It is our own unique spark. It is what our soul chose for us. It is who we are. It is our essence. It is why we are here on this earth, it is how we're here to change the world. With that, my friends, welcome to this week's episode. This week, I'm talking to Melanie Klein. She's an empowerment coach, thought leader, and influence in the areas of body confidence, authentic empowerment, and visibility. She's also a successful writer, speaker, and professor of sociology and women's studies. So, someone is cool. And I hope you enjoy this episode. And my friends, I hope that your week is filled with remembering. Remember who you are. Remember that you are light. Remember that you are magic. Remember that you are love. Go forth and be awesome. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My guest today is Melanie Klein, and we are going to talk about, well, who knows what we're going to talk about, but we're going to start <laughs> out with authentic empowerment. But first, welcome, Melanie. Thank you so much for having me, Kelsey. Happy to be here. I'm so excited you're here. Um, empowerment, let's well, just, that's a big word. It is. It is. Uh, and I think it, I think it might mean a lot of different things to different people so what does it mean to you
1: great question and i'm going to answer that question but add on a couple of different things so you'll you'll probably notice my answers tend to be kind of long so hopefully that's cool with everybody just adding the extra tidbits and i'd say the first thing i want to talk about is actually power And the reason that that's a really, I think, important word to take a look at, especially as women, is that when we are thinking about power within a patriarchal culture, power is defined in these really one dimensional terms, right? Power really means to usually have power over. There's this sort of dominator model that happens. Um, If we look traditionally in patriarchal cultures, right, power over the planet power over resources, power over women, children, subordinate masculinities. And so there's this real hierarchy that happens, right? And we're positioned in these different places. And that part of the power is being able to have people do things that you want even against their will or even in the face of resistance, right? So... That power in that way is, is not only about domination, but there is a sort of element of aggression, there's um, an element of, you know, coercion that goes with it. And so as a result, I found that women specifically have a very strange relationship with power, oftentimes they feel uncomfortable. Um, in claiming that they have any power. They feel uncomfortable with the word. There's sort of a dirtiness attached to it because it has this one particular definition. Um, Oftentimes they feel uncomfortable and hesitant to step into it because they assume that it has to only look a certain way, which maybe does not feel authentic to them. And I've also seen that um, oftentimes when women are talking about their own power, especially, I would say, you know, women my age coming from Gen X and sort of the years of the Riot Girl movement, that um, to, to step into our power meant we had to go into male-dominated spaces and essentially become like the men that we had oftentimes criticized, right? And so for me, empowerment is so important because it's about how do we authentically define that for ourselves? How do we renegotiate that relationship to power? How do we redefine it in terms that are not about power over? And so I go really to what has oftentimes been called the partnership model or you know in a, a lot of the goddess centered practices which is power from within. And when we look at you know that empowerment or our power within us, just because we have power doesn't mean we're taking it away from anyone else. Just because we step into our power doesn't mean that we're even comparing or competing with anyone else. And when we step into our own power, um, it can look very different than you know the woman to our left or the woman to our right, and they're all valid, and they're all valuable, and they can be equally potent. But we can truly come into our own authenticity when we step into our empowerment that is really far removed from patriarchal definitions. So there you go. (laughs) Let's start with that.
0: (laughs) Did you, that was brilliant. But what's the actual definition of empowerment?
1: Empowerment Mm -hmm. is stepping into our authentic um, expression of power that Mm. really is coming from the inside out as opposed from the outside in.
0: How do we know when we are empowered?
1: For me, um, I think it's different for everyone, but, you know, my background really is also in embodiment and mindfulness practices and movement practices. So I think a really crucial element is um, to be fully integrated, first of all, that's part of how we step into our power is not just being our intellectual self and not just being our emotional self or our physical self. but All of those pieces come together, right? We come into wholeness. And when we come into wholeness, we can begin to tap into not just how things um, appear to us and what we think about them or what we feel about them, but what are actually the sensations that are happening in our body that can give us certain clues. So empowerment for me um, uh, feels like there's exhilaration. There is um, almost like a sparkly nature to the quality of the energy. There is a certain buoyancy that I feel in my body. There's an expansiveness that I feel in my energy field um, that feels, you know, very large without being overpowering or threatening to anyone else. It just feels full and expansive. Um, so that's how empowerment feels to me. And, but I would imagine it would probably feel different to, to everyone, you know, and that's part of the fun is to explore that as
0: well. I would, uh, I I love that you're like literally speaking my language. I'm like, yeah, these are my words. Like that is exactly, I would add one thing for me Yeah, is that my feet feel strongly rooted to the ground, like, like actual connection with mother nature connected to the deep center of the earth
1: absolutely and and that's you know when we think about the empowerment that does not involve the power over that is part of it is that we begin to see ourselves as being absolutely connected to the natural environment and the cosmos that we exist in we start to go into that place of where there's no separation there's no duality and that's coming really from tantric traditions right we begin to completely merge with everything, which is why, you know, when I describe my sense, there are no boundaries, you know, whether they're identity structures that have been built or, you know, um, things imposed by society, I can just see myself as absolutely moving into the expansiveness of everything that there truly is, right? And I love that you talked about having your feet um, firmly rooted to the ground, because I think not only is it important to have deep roots, so we have that access to you know that wonderful source there, but we can also then, um, from the crown up, have a connection to the light and to the heavens. And so, in that way, we're also in balance, right? Sometimes when I work with with clients, they have only the groundedness, and it can feel really heavy. Or I've worked with other women that are, you know, in the sort of celestial realm, but it's like, whoa, well, where are you? And I just want to pull them down. And so for me, it's like, how can we be deeply rooted and planted yet? Move into that wonderful kind of open space above us that is, you know, allows us to go into creativity, that allows us to go into the zone of transgression and, you know, um, bring everything from the unseen into the scene and yet not lose our balance and get tripped up because we aren't, you know, touching
0: the ground anymore. And how can we suspend in that beautiful middle? I feel like that's my question for life. Is every day I, I ask myself not in the, so many words, but that's basically how I ask say, how am I going to do this today? How am I going to be balanced? How am I going to be rooted, connected, expansive, possible, open?
1: yeah, and that's a, that's an ongoing practice, and I think that's the important part to remember, and which is why you know I have a background that goes back into um, you know feminist activism and social justice like that goes all the way back into the mid 90s. And right around that same time is when my yoga practice came into my life and mindfulness practices. And immediately I saw, you know, all of the wonderful things that I was learning in the classroom, the academic realm, the activist realm, being no different than what I was learning, you know, within yoga and mindfulness, that it was about raising our consciousness and then being able to Make new decisions in the world about how we show up, um, how we work, how we relate, how we love, and that having that awareness, which leads to new actions, is um, requires a certain element of vigilance. Where we don't just do it once, or we don't just do it a few times in the same way. You know, you don't just go to a a yoga class or you know practice yoga once a month and expect that there's going to be a massive shift. That there is some level of regularity, some consistency, right, and So those inquiries that you're talking about, I mean, once we step onto that path, we're doing that the rest of our lives, because we're constantly changing, we're aging, it's inevitable, we move into these new realms and phases of our life, we have different kinds of relationships, and so constantly we're kind of checking in and attuning ourselves to what we desire, what we feel, what we want to create, what is the balance at this time, What are the actions that we take to create that balance? And that's always going to look different. And that's the beautiful thing is we can really tap into the curiosity and surprise of our human experience. We can tap into the curiosity and surprise of what life offers us and how we're going to use that. And all of that is a practice. It's continuous and ongoing, and it's for me. It's super exciting. Like I, I can't imagine doing anything else. <laughs> <I know. laughs> right. It's so, I know. so much fun. Even when it's not, it can be so much fun.
0: I'm sure you can see me start to beam as you're talking about like leaning into the curiosity because that is literally my favorite thing in the world.
1: It is, and and I think it's really important to have that quality because oftentimes when we go into personal growth work and even to know step into our power and be empowered and to maintain the flame of that empowerment is an ongoing practice as well right it's not like we light that flame once and we don't tend to it Um, and for some folks it can begin to feel a little arduous it can feel um, like another task and i can see how that happens sometimes that you know happens to me as well but as soon as i lean into the curiosity and the joy of the whole thing it becomes fun again because it truly is like this game that we play in our human forms of like, hey, what's next? What's the next move? And Mm -hmm. how do we deconstruct that? And it can absolutely be delightful if we allow it to be delightful. And I figure if we're gonna do the work, why not have it be as exciting as possible knowing that each piece that shows up can reveal something, you know, new. We're like, oh, what's behind that door? Let's, let's let's check it out. And maybe it's a goblin, right? And it's like, oh, but what, what does that offer to this whole experience? I mean, I have deal with plenty of goblins, usually in my own making, right? right. But, but using it to actually then continue to, to, to go into that brilliant and bright place um, that we can access when we become much more certain, much more confident, um, much more capable as well to, to hold all of those things, all of the moving parts that we need to hold in order to keep that momentum going. And so I always like to offer people like, hey, when the fear comes up or when the discomfort comes up, you can absolutely notice that and see. And you can even dive a little deeper like, hey, what are those thought patterns that are associated with it? What are those feelings that I'm attaching to it? And where do they even come from, right? And that's all can be fun to look at. But the bottom line is at any moment, we can also simply just you know, make a new choice of how we want to relate to it. And, um, you know, it's like I'll have things happen where maybe (laughs) it doesn't feel too great at the time, but knowing like, okay, I can choose to relate to that differently in the same way I can relate to definitions of power differently and make it work for me and have it serve me. You know, like they talk about the lotus coming out of the mud or whether we're talking about taking the shit to compost our beautiful rose garden. We get to choose how we use it. All of those are tools, right? So what, what do we want to do with those tools? Do we want to use them to create, you know, beautiful experiences and beautiful growth? Do we want to allow them to serve us or do we want them to take us out? My yoga teacher would talk about, you know, how yoga poses can absolutely heal us, but they can absolutely harm us. What is the way that we approach that? What is the intention? And so for me, I would say the same thing. We can use our knife to butter our toast or we can use it to stab someone, mm-hmm. right? Or ourselves. Like it's the same thing, but how do we use that instrument? So as much as I can and as quickly as I can, whether it's for my own growth or for clients that I work with, it's like, great. How quickly can we make the pivot into having that serve us? How quickly can we move into seeing that as something that's going to benefit us and using our creativity, our imagination, and self-dialogue to elevate us as opposed to taking us
0: out? Mm-hmm. Yes. How'd you get on this path?
1: <laughs> uh, great question. I, I, you know, I don't know. There's so many different versions I can give you in terms of an answer. Uh, like It's like, how far back do we want to go? The
0: most recent- Were you, were you, know, you like a really empowered little kid?
1: Uh, yes and no. I think that I was very empowered up until about puberty, which is pretty statistically common for girls that they see themselves as quite capable and competent. And once puberty happens, statistics show that their level of self-esteem drops drastically and the options that they see for their life get much narrower than prior to puberty. And I definitely fit into that pattern. Um, I was a very creative child. I had a big imagination. Um, I thought about things pretty deeply. I also had a world that was quite magical for me. Um, and in that, I felt very confident and rooted. I also had uh, deep connections to my family and to my community that, that held me. And then I had certain life shifts happened in terms of moving from Germany to the United States, which was very uprooting, Um, living in a more extended family environment to one with just my parents that was, you know, that definitely shook me up. And then, of course, just dealing with physical changes and living in a culture in which, you know, already knowing that my body was being scrutinized and that there was a very narrow template for what was acceptable that threw me into, I would say, Um, you know, at least a decade of uh, very self-destructive behaviors, tolerating uh, toxic relationships, engaging in pretty harmful activities, and beginning to see my options as being very narrow. Like I didn't actually imagine that I could accomplish much in my life. I I found it very um, tough to see myself as being an adult that was autonomous. I felt like I definitely needed someone to take care of me and having that core component of my identity driving me forward nonetheless, meaning despite the insecurity, despite the doubt, the disordered eating, the negative body image, the destructive relationship, there was this very much fighting spirit that I could feel in me, and I think that she sometimes made some um, interesting choices, and she um, did some things that hurt people, um and yet at the same time she was sort of fighting for her life to re-emerge from the underground if you want to kind of go into mythology mm-hmm. and um so I look at that and so there was this this inner driver that was trying to like emerge from the muck of everything that had been put on me and so I found punk rock in my early teens that felt like a great outlet of kind of Railing against the mainstream, finding alternative sources of information, then that didn't appeal to me that much anymore because of the sexism and misogyny (laughs) within the movement. Um, And then stepping into my first sociology of women class in my early 20s, where I met my first mentor and was actually given really practical insight and information about how the larger culture and these systems and structures work, uh, and how those systems and structures we can actually begin to see in terms of their statistical outcomes, women and domestic violence, women and girls and sexual harassment, women and girls and pay equity, women and girls and media representation, women and girls and body image. Like I was like, oh, okay, interesting. So I'm an individual, and I've had these things happen my life, but I am part of a larger system, and I actually fall into these statistics. And that was really liberating for me to understand that I wasn't the problem per se, but that I was part of a a much larger sort of context. And so the liberating thing for me was having that information and then getting pissed off enough about it to know that I was going to devote the rest of my life to creating shifts, shifting the paradigm, shifting the narrative, you know, being taught mentored and teaching and mentoring. And that's what I've done now for essentially 25 years. Like I stepped onto that. So, and one, level, we could say that was the beginning of that path. But yet, you know, there are definitely those breadcrumbs, if we go backwards, like, oh, yeah, but that girl, she had a certain fierceness in her. And even that teenager had some sort of atavistic memory of that happening, right, that allowed her to kind of come into that. So it's been an ongoing practice and process for a very, very long time. And if I look at not only the girl and then the teenager, if I look at the person in the twenties doing this work and the woman in my late twenties and my early thirties doing the work, they're all different than who I am now, but they were all important pieces. So, you know, it's always been happening and it will always remain.
0: Happening. What my vision as you're talking and mix like telling that whole story is I picture you as a little girl, you're, you're a warrior goddess. <laughs> and you can yourself and just like be grounded in that as a little kid. And then you, you hit your teens and you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. to step into and be like, oh, oh, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do with this.
1: Yeah. And then letting that grow and evolve. I actually wrote a poem. Um, I think I was in graduate school at the time called four snapshots. And I actually, they were little vignettes about four different versions of me the girl, right, that you described, the sort of angry and kind of dysfunctional teenager that was just in survival mode, the woman in my early 20s that once I became, you know, initially empowered, that my first tendency was I wanted to slash and burn everything around me. There was so much rage that was happening. And the rage was a beautiful thing because it gave me Kind of the spark to come out of my own self deprecation and negative um, habit patterns and have some kind of fuel to move through that. And yet at a certain point, it also became destructive. Like it was very difficult to have relationships, especially as a heterosexual woman with men who, because I was angry at all of them and I wasn't seeing. I was seeing the men as the problem, not patriarchy as the problem at the time. And so that was challenging. And, you know, there were other things that were challenging because I started to realize essentially that I was having a certain quality in tone and character and behaviors that um, if a man was doing it, I certainly wouldn't approve of. And um, even though I saw them as useful to get me where I needed to go, there was a point where I knew it was time to shift. And that was the fourth snapshot. Is like, how can I come into community? How can I connect with others in love and compassion? And the most recent iteration of that is joy to continue to create change, to continue to evolve and have that be truly sustainable where I can Do this work in a way that's not going to burn me out or overwhelm me because a lot of that anger, while it was so incredibly useful, and I'm all about righteous rage, huge fan of that, is oftentimes there comes a point where it needs to transmute into something else or it has to be very carefully channeled so it doesn't burn our fingers, if you will, right? And so for me, I eventually came to a point where it's like, okay, so I'm ready to transmute this. Like, I feel like the the angers, the fuel has burned out and now I'm going into a different tank, if you will. And so that was about coming deeper into love and connection and joy and having that be the thing that um, connected me to others and that allowed me to bring people into the communities that I've built and to hold systems and structures and individuals accountable um but with a different tonality to it i started to also understand that the way i was going about things were not necessarily going to attract or create what i wanted that it could be repelling and this wasn't me trying to become more palatable um, or apologetic because that those are two things i would not do but it was more about oh interesting okay I could actually do this and have even greater results if I could come at this in a different way. Understanding truly, at the end of the day, you know we are all humans that have a tremendous amount of difference, but most of us want to be able to to thrive and live happily and provide for our families if we have them, and to feel a sense of self-actualization. And there is so there is this common ground. So I was trying to come at this more with like I said, the compassion and love and joy that could allow me to build more bridges as opposed to just burning them, which is what I really used to enjoy doing, right? And so my empowerment now, at this point in my life, is very different than what it looked like 10 years ago, than what it looked like 20 years ago. And I think there's plenty of space for everyone to have their own growth process, their own evolution process. And I think it's all great as long as we're conscious of it and we own the choices that we're making. I think it can all be perfect, right? And that we shouldn't compare one person's journey to another person's journey or, or where someone is in their process to where we are in their process, right? If I was judging you know, my 25-year-old self to the woman I now, and um, now I probably would have completely put barriers in front of her, right? Mm-hmm. But she was doing her thing. And again, some of those things are maybe are not my my proudest or most shining moments, but they were absolutely essential for her growth. And it was all fantastic. So I'm at a place where I think I'm much more forgiving
0: and allowing than I used to be. It and sounds like a conscious shift from masculine energy to feminine energy.
1: That and at the same time, sometimes that can get into sticky areas, right? Because when we look at those energies, people oftentimes attach them into the, 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 the actual physical form where we know masculine and feminine energies can actually be in any physical right. form. So I want to put out there and say yes and no. I feel like I'm just more in the balance where I felt that to be empowered, I had to only exist in the masculine realm Mm -hmm. and now i know i can exist in any of those realms and i can have any of those energies and my goal is to really have them be authentic and um perfect for whatever situation or moment like whatever i need to call on right and then try to find the, the the balance right like moving into the balance knowing that all of those qualities um are part of any human, and I want to cultivate and I want to develop and express the full range of my humanness, right? In terms of the masculine and feminine energies and qualities at the time that they are most needed, I can access that. Um, and given that I put so much on the masculinity for myself, because I felt, well, to truly be empowered, I have to adopt these sorts of characteristics and qualities that I denied a huge aspect of my humanity. And so it's not even like moving away from the masculine into the feminine, but it's allowing the feminine to come in and complement what I had spent a lot of time focusing on.
0: Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, okay. do you feel like you were actively pushing the feminine energy away earlier? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. didn't even know it existed in you? Yes.
1: I knew that because it was there, you know, as a child and as as, as a young woman Uh, even as a young teen, and certain interpretations that I had gotten came from the culture. Certain interpretations came from things that I had read about how do we move into these male-dominated realms? How do we access our power? And so a lot of my interpretations were that we cut those things out or those things are bad. Um, I certainly know that, you know, if we look at the culture as a whole, there is still the overall tendency for people to value masculinity over femininity. And that's not just male people who have advantages, but I'm talking about that if we asked, let's say, parents, um, what are some of the qualities that you would want for your child, no matter what sex their child was, they would be more likely to mention masculine values um, or val- masculine characteristics. Like, I want my child to be independent, successful, competitive, outspoken, blah, blah, blah. And if we look on the gendered spectrum, those are all things that have been identified as masculine. We have socially constructed those things to be masculine. And if we think about things like compassion and empathy, um, nurturing, kindness, um, being a great communicator, we put less emphasis on those things, right? And those things have been gendered feminine by the culture. And so girls and women in many ways have been given new opportunities to go into those male-dominated realms, whether it's business or economics or politics. And they have also been given, I think, more room to transgress those gendered boundaries that the culture has erected, where if a little girl wants to go into boxing or to soccer or football, that's great. If a little girl is like, I don't like Barbie dolls, I love pirates, it's like, oh, fantastic. Um, But if little boys or men do that, we, we haven't given them, first of all, the same allowance. And that's because for a boy or a man to develop and express his feminine qualities is still seen as losing status. That is not seen as something valuable to incorporate it's seen valuable for girls and women to adopt and express their masculine tendencies and so that just is a wonderful those two examples show us that you know the culture makes it very clear yes women and girls have been given new structural and institutional opportunities you know we're addressing all of these things yet we still value masculinity over femininity because we don't give our boys and men the same breathing room to come into their full humanity and so we still get the message or at least i did that masculine values, masculine characteristics and traits are, are better and more important, and that the other ones that are have been gendered feminine are signs of weakness. And in my my growth work to become empowered, it was crucial for me to disassociate from the things that had been perceived as weakness to come into power, and then starting to see over time that, oh, interesting, I'm actually... Um, beginning to devalue femininity and oftentimes women or feminine qualities in men to the same degree that patriarchy has. And so I came into the balance. And one of the big books that shifted that for me was a book called Communion, The Female Search for Love by Bell Hooks, where she was expanding definitions of, of love, not just romantic heterosexual partners who marry. And like, how are all these, you know, what are the new ways that we can come into community and feel fulfilled? and that was a very healing um time for me in my late 20s early 30s in reading that book um which i use with my clients and i teach in classes because she made it um very clear that love is actually a revolutionary act and that i had only interpreted love within this you know antiquated kind of victorian romantic model um and that to love and to be in joy and to have the full wholeness of my expression, that is incredibly revolutionary in patriarchy, which is trying to put us in all of these little boxes. So I know that's another really long answer. I warned you about my long answers, but did that get to kind of what you were looking for? <laughs>
0: Question, but I loved your either answer. do I, either do I.
1: <laughs> um, oh, I do remember you were talking about did I did I go into more into my femininity? I said yes and no. It was more not about throwing out the masculinity, but coming into the balance of my humanity, and 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 not making femininity, not seeing femininity through the lens of weakness.
0: Right, which I think is such. Well, I, I'm curious. Is it something every little girl has to go through?
1: Um, no, I think it depends on what culture she's living in, what her family's like, what her peer group is like. Um, I, and again, I think everyone has their own journey, which is why there might be certain patterns, but I'm not going to assume that, you know, what others go through is going to look exactly like what I went through. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it, you know, we can still look, you know, at mainstream representations. And if we look at role models, when it comes to girls and women, we still don't offer enough really fully dimensional um you know and diverse role models and characters and storylines of girls and women and there is still a certain degree of seeing power in girls and women as very much mimicking the patriarchal model so how you know girls and women internalize that and how they work through that on their road of empowerment you know is going to look many different ways and yet i can safely say that you know we're still receiving the messages that had an impact on what my journey looked like
0: yeah absolutely when did you realize, you said that early on, you were you were a poet, how did you, I can't remember the words you used, but basically you thought that men were the problem instead of the patriarchy. Yes. When did you okay. realize that, that it was the patriarchy and not the actual men?
1: Oh, gosh. You know, I don't remember when. Uh, I did write an article quite a number of years ago for Ms. Magazine and it's online and it's called Click, It's Not You, It's Patriarchy. I'm gonna actually give you that link in case you wanna share that with the show notes with the, with the audience. But I will say it was somewhere in the process of beginning to really spend more time understanding systems and structures. My degree, uh, has, or my degrees have been in sociology. And in sociology, right, we're looking at how individuals are part of these larger, you know, societies. And the more I began to do my sociological study, I began to realize, okay, well, you know, we're all individuals who are at different points in the system, creating, recreating the system, being impacted by the system. And at the end of the day, it's really how we, in these systems, we learn these ideas. We're socialized. We come to truly internalize those beliefs and values from the culture and the society and, and they begin to be part of our self-identity. And so we could spend a lot of time focusing on individuals and having them change, but we're going to get a lot further, a lot faster, if we begin to deconstruct the systems and structures and recreate them, reimagine them. Basically, raise our consciousness and de-socialize ourselves so that we can see new possibilities of being, doing, and having. Um, And so it was somewhere in that sociological um, study that that it kind of clicked for me.
0: And that leads me to wonder... Um, were you old enough when you came to the States to see a difference between the the systems in Germany versus the States?
1: Uh, Yeah, and I love that you asked that question um, because I think that, first of all, that's why I was prone to being a a sociology major is because I had come from a different culture and i had been in a different country. And I mean, let's face it, Germany is not wildly different from the United States. It's a northwestern European country, yet there are a lot of differences as well. I mean, There are differences in certain values. Um, You know, it physically looks different. There are different cultural norms. And so simply me having the experience of living in a different place. And then um, I would travel there every summer and I would spend three months out of the year with my grandparents and then the school year with my parents, I continued to to have the understanding of like you know there's actually a lot of different ways of being and living there are a lot of different ways um, to structure societies there are tons of different value systems and so I never took for granted the one that I lived in Um, and that was really helpful is I already kind of had this um, I already had this understanding that what we experience is not Natural meaning. It doesn't just grow out of the ground like a plant right that what we experience what we've created as a society is all a social construction And that it has changed over time and because it hasn't looked the same throughout history and it doesn't look the same in every culture It doesn't have to continue to look the same for
0: us either. I Feel like that is an insight that not everybody has
1: right which is why i love merging my sociology with all the other work that i do because i think it's such an important thing to share is that we don't have to be boxed in by our belief systems we don't have to be boxed in boxed in by you know our family systems we don't need to be boxed in by the culture at large we don't need to be boxed in by what the media tells us that if we can you know engage in practices mindfulness practices that create space in our mind we can more and more access you know our own sort of level of authenticity we can make new choices and we make the new choices and then we get different results not only as individuals in our own growth work but as members of a collective as members of a society
0: I've, okay. I'm i okay i always deciding stuff, right? the, the question order because i yeah. have a bunch of questions um if you had a billboard or you're just standing up on a soapbox but you've got limited time what is, what's the message that you just want to show throw a bullhorn oh my god
1: do you think i have a neat and tidy one have you heard my answer <laughs> <laughs> that is like the greatest is for me to be succinct oh my goodness but I, I i think that if i really had to distill it down is um you know you are not what you think mm. right that that's one of the big things um another version of that would be that you have everything that you need to create what you desire Um, and I'm not saying like automatically these things will magically pop up right it's it's not that kind of you know again magical thinking but it's like you have the power and you have the ability to create things in your life by having empowered and conscious choices right when you make those empowered and conscious choices you begin to create shifts in your internal landscape so as opposed to you know, so many people are so externally focused. It's like, what do other people think about me? How do other people see me? Um, you know, is, is my partner in a good mood? Great. If they're not in a good mood, maybe it's my fault. Um, how do does my body compare to that body? Like, there's all of this external orientation. And so when I say you have everything you need to create what you want, it's really saying that if you can move that focus from the external surround internally, right? That's where you're empowered. It's like you do not have to be subject to or you do not have to be prisoner to um, other people's moods and their vacillations and their storylines or you know definitions of success, definitions of power, definitions of femininity or masculinity or beauty that we can really source from the inside out. And that's what I'm looking to do in all of my work is how can we
0: become fill in the blank from the inside out rather than the outside in. And it sounds like this is what the next question that was coming. Um, It sounds like you've got a a process in mind of how people can do that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I have many processes, if you will, right?
1: Um, There are certain things that I present if I'm, you know, teaching in a classroom environment. I still keep a couple on the ground classes because that's really important for me work with young people in that environment and yet there are certain limitations of what I can present right and do um and then you know in the work that I do one-on-one with my clients we actually go through you their unique process it's 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 not cookie cutter right it's about where's the person starting where do they want to go and what's going to happen in between um right and so I really tailored to to that and yet there are certain tools and insights that I will bring in at different points in the way that allows that to happen in a way that's still unique to their experience their personality their needs their starting point and we also I do that with my partner in the joy revolution where we've created a curriculum uh, that really blends positive psychology with intersectional feminism mindfulness and embodiment work Of like okay great When personal growth isn't enough, that's one of our taglines, right? Because truly what we want to do is allow the personal transformation to lead to collective change. And there, it's like, here are the things to keep in mind. This is how we do movement work. This is how we make sure that it's inclusive and diverse. This is how we blah, 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 right? So we also have systems um, that we have developed in more of a group experience for people who are ready and are very, very clear. Like, I want to do this growth work for myself, but I want to use my platform, my voice, to elevate my communities, you know, the larger culture, and move into that whole positive and sustainable expression of change in the form of the masses, because that's really the end goal for me. Whether we're working on our, you know, creating a positive body image, whether we're working on healthy communication, whether we are becoming empowered to go into full visibility, that is all fantastic, but the end goal is that it serves the collective, because if we all have the ability and access to do that in some way, we become role models, we can become advocates, and then others, like it's that wonderful ripple effect that's so important, Because I selfishly benefit from your liberation and I selfishly benefit from the liberation and joy of the person who delivers my mail and the person who checks me out at the grocery store, right? When we can all come into compassion, love, and joy, right, as individuals, we all benefit from that other person's growth work. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it's that whole idea, you know, together we rise. And and that's, and that's kind of what the joy revolution offers. It takes everything we've done that Mark Cordon has done in his personal life and his growth work, mine, what we do with private clients and create a group experience to kind of catapult people to the next level of um, change making
0: as a whole. Love it. And all right. So earlier you said that you've shifted into basically living in love and joy. Mm Mm-hmm. I know what that means for me. What does it mean for you? What does it feel like on a daily basis?
1: Um, I mean, it, it, it shifts, but for me, I go into the sensation and the frequency of like, it, it, there's a certain lightness to that particular quality. There's a certain buoyancy to that quality. There's a certain ease, right? When I'm in that particular uh, space, a lot of people will talk about it as flow. Um, it, it feels like that, right? And that's not making the other things wrong that pop up in my my life. It's just having the awareness and then pivoting back into using that more fodder for, for that flow. And it feels like freedom. I -hmm. mean, ultimately, right? It feels like freedom from the inside out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite things to talk about when it comes to joy is what does joy smell like to you? What does joy smell like to me?
1: I think it smells like jasmine.
0: That's what it smells like for me. What does it taste like for you? Yeah.
1: Um, What does it taste like? Interestingly, it came up like like an orange dreamsicle, Mm. like an orange vanilla pop kind of a thing. I don't know. That just came up. And I love chocolate, but the orange vanilla combo came up for me.
0: And what does it sound like?
1: It sounds like small, gentle, tinkling bells. Mm -hmm. What does it look like? It looks like a star.
0: What color? Or is constellation.
1: It? Um, it would be, uh, it's got a very light pink and gold sort of color to it. Good yeah. questions. I love that you're going into all of the like sensory places because that's one of the important things, right? To when we're visualizing and manifesting, it's like, what is all like, use your senses to create that. So, yeah, if you I want have to feel joy.
0: Anything recognize Mm -hmm. it when you feel it.
1: Absolutely. And I have not had anybody ask me that. So good work on you. And I would also say it feels like walking barefoot in the grass through a field of flowers. Yeah. You know, it can feel like that. And so bringing in that nature element, uh, I would say that there are so many ways that I experience joy, but much of that is being in going into the freedom, the freedom of nature and its expansiveness. Like right now in California, we have tons of wildflowers because we've had so much rain and being out in that, that feels like joy, that feels like freedom. Um, I think some of my best thinking and you know creativity has been going on solo hikes through the mountains, emerging from a trail and seeing the ocean off Pacific Coast Highway. And, you know, I just feel like nature has absorbed all of the clutter, it's composted into the ground. And right, it's, it's just it's just being recycled through in, in, in the new form.
0: So yeah, that coming out on like a an ocean vista feels, feels brand new to me. It's like, yeah. mm, everything is brand new now. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, you know, really encouraging people to, to also start to, you know, have an awareness of their most authentic experience and expression of joy. Um, even taking the time maybe at the end of right now at this podcast to, to kind of imagine like when are those moments, those simple pleasures and joys that I've felt and, and noticing what what's happening in their bodies. What do they feel? You know, what are the sensations? What are the reactions that are happening? Um, and kind of tapping into that, creating this sort of cellular and sensory memory that they can access no matter what's going on, whether they're frustrated or they're sitting you know, in the office or whatever, and, and, and allowing that to serve them, to kind of create that reset for them yes. and seeing what begins to happen when they do.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. This has been a blast. Wow. Yes, I have really enjoyed it. <laughs> How can people learn more about you? Learn about your work, read all your stuff, anything you want to share, go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so some of that will be in my bio. That will be shared in the show notes. Um, but those who are just listening and are like, I want to go right now. Um, Instagram is a great place that I live. You can find me at Mel, Mel Klein. So it's M-E-L-M-E-L-K-L-E-I-N. Also, I didn't even talk about the Yoga and Body Image Coalition that I created many years ago, but they're up there, YBI Coalition at Instagram, and then the Joy Rev at Instagram. For websites, there's Melanie C. Make sure the C is in there, melaniecline.com. There is thejoyrevolution.org. Make sure the the is in there, thejoyrevolution.org. And then there's ybicoalition.com that has... A lot of the books that I've done, from Yoga Rising to Yoga and Body Image, and there are book discussion guides if people want to get some extra support and critical questions to dive into those essays. And then over um, both at the Joy Revolution, my personal website, and YBI Coalition, there are tons of links to interviews and articles and things that have been done. So if anyone wants to kind kind of dig into that information deeper and experience it more, there's plenty of resources there.
0: Awesome. And we'll have everything in the show notes. So you didn't have to write that all down. But if
1: you wanted to, you could go there right away.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
1: So thank you so much much. for having me. Oh my God, look, we just both said it at the same time. I love it. (laughs) Jinx.
0: (laughs) I haven't jinxed with anyone in like 20 years. Thank you so much. Right?
1: (laughs) Welcome. Now, I've really had a blast, and I, I really appreciate the platform that you create for people to talk about their work and what you offer your communities. Um, It's a beautiful thing. So, thanks for everything you do and everything you are, Kelsey.
0: Thank you. And thank you for changing the world. I love appreciate what you're
1: doing. It. Everyone, go out and do the same thing. Tap into your own joy revolution and let
0: us know what that looks like. Yes, please. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group find your awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, KelseyAbbott.com. And there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the find your awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you friends. Go forth and be awesome.